It is a, um, a privilege, uh, an honor, and humbling uh, to be before you and, uh, and think together through this passage in 2 Corinthians uh, this morning um, and understand uh, the situation that we are in. I know that Mike Hollenbach, whose name was mentioned a lot, that name is not familiar to everybody in this church, um, but he was a part of this church on staff for, for a long time, was a missionary from this church to plant in Easton. He spoke, I think recently it was a junior high and senior high, or one of those, or both, the retreat recently. Uh, so he certainly has been a part of this. So I'm humbled, uh, certainly, by that event, too. Mike was a friend. Um, so we're going to look at Second Corinthians 6 uh, this morning, if you have a Bible, um, or you can look at it um, up on the screen. Uh, and this, I think, Paul means for the Corinthians to be like a eureka moment, uh, to be like a little aha moment, like, oh, that, that makes sense. I didn't catch that before. And hopefully uh, that will be the same thing for us uh, here as well. Um, those aha moments, uh, like when you're younger, you realize the word breakfast is actually two words, break fast, that you're breaking the fast from the night before, little things like that, that kind of like, huh, okay, that's, that's, that, I get that. Or, or the word butterfly in Old English used to be flutter by, which makes a lot more sense than, than, than butterfly. Uh, I remember when I learned that, but then I learned later that that's actually not true, although I like, the, I like it. It just makes sense to me. It's, uh, it, it turns out to be a, a, an urban myth. Or the poor gentleman who, uh, or, or um, that, and I learned this one actually very recently, that highways, east and west, are even numbered, and north and south are, are, are odd numbered. I, I just never, it never made it to me, uh, that information. Or the poor gentleman who always heard from when he was a, when he was a, a kid that knowledge is power, Francis Bacon. And he thought, well, I get the knowledge is power part. That makes, I mean, if you think about it, that kind of makes sense. But Fran, why does France have to be bacon? Like, I don't understand why a whole country has to be bacon. It wasn't until college, as he tells the story, that he read some of the author, Francis Bacon, and realized that it wasn't, in fact, talk, speak, speaking of, um, of uh, the breakfast meat, uh, but it was talking about the name of an author, things like that. Of course, those are silly, you know, kind of stupid little things. But heavier things happen, like those aha moments, when, you're, when you go to a counselor uh, or a therapist and you're sitting with them and they're at, by their questions and by their, um, their prodding in your life, they can put things together for you that you hadn't realized. Like, really? For 20 years I've been acting the way I have been because I've been running away from that? or running toward that, or, or, or whatever it is. Those kind of deeper aha moments when you realize something about yourself or realize something about the world or, or others. Paul is asking us to realize something about the world uh, in this passage. Um, so hopefully, for me, it has been a, a renewed challenge uh, to be this aha moment. And hopefully it will be for all of us. So Second Corinthians 6, uh, 4, and we're going to read through 7, 4. Um, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance and afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and by the power of God, with the weapon of righteousness for the right hand for the le- and for the left. Through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treating as impostors, 
and yet treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown uh, and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. We've spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. In return, I speak to you as children, widen your hearts also. The temple of the living God. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what is partnership? For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Balal? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said. I'll make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and they will be, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Make room in your hearts for us, for we have wronged no one, we have corrupted no one, we have taken advantage of no one. I do not say this to condemn you, for I said before that you are in our hearts and died together and lived together. I am acting with great boldness toward you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with all comfort. In all of our our affliction, I am overflowing with joy. So this change in perspective... uh, starts with Paul saying why he does what he does in all of that resume uh, that he presents in verses 6-4 and following that, listen, I'm not in it for myself. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, this isn't about me. Uh, This is about you understanding uh, where you are. This is about you interpreting how you see and interact with the world around you. And, uh, And you're not doing well, he says, basically. Um, you should change. We change how we you need to change how we uh, and you look forward. Look at the world around you. It kind of reminds me of that uh, passage in Galatians four eight. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those things. But, I, uh, but uh, by nature, are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather, be known by God, how can you turn your back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? Similar, almost exact same wording in Romans six, where Paul talks about the fact that we used to be slaves, and used to be used to be enslaved to those things that we're ashamed of now. So why are we headed that direction again? Why are you Why are you doing that? Paul says, over and over again, because, because, and then it goes into this passage from the Old Testament, which is six different references that Paul's chosen and kind of strung together in this passage from sixteen to eighteen. Uh, because of our status, because we're different now, because we have a different place, we have a different identity, we're different people uh, than we used to be. Um, and uh, all of those passages from the Old Testament are, are the bridge from understanding that the temple of the Old Testament, that holy thing, that holy place, is now represented in us. That is us. We are that temple now. Um, this all leads up to the fact that we are part of this new temple. Christ has built us into his temple of which he is the cornerstone. He describes even as the members of the part of that temple being built now on the foundations of, of, the, of the prophets. Um, 15 or 17, 
Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you. Some, almost Paul's, a paraphrase of Paul's words in the Old Testament, he says, uh, and, uh, and I will be a father to you and you will be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. This set-apartness that we have in our new identity in Christ. We, we are now, just like that holy of holies was uh, that was representative for Israel, the church is now, and we are now in Christ. And that new identity, Paul says, changes how we look at, how we live, and how we interpret the world around us. But this is the rub, isn't it? This is the difficult part uh, of how do we do that? How does that work out in us? Verse 12, I think, is the perfect verse here. It it, it describes, asks us the question, asks the Corinthians the question, and and by extension us, you're not restricted by us, but you're restricted by your own affections. You're not restricted by us, but you're restricted by your own affections. In other words, you are what you worship. Um, Greg Beale, in his, in his book, we, are, we Become What We Worship, has this, his definition goes like this. What people revere, they resemble, either for ruin or restoration. What we revere, what things we hold uh, uh, holy in our lives, what things we, we hold close to our own lives, we end up resembling those things, whether for good or for bad, for healthy or unhealthy, just like our mom used to tell us, you are what you eat. We are the air we breathe around us. Um, our family was in, in Ukraine uh, almost most of the time between 1998 and 2018, so 20 years removed from American culture from American life, from American politics, from American everything. And though, although we took an interest, although it was harder in 98 than it was in 2018, we still took an interest in, and followed things. Uh, we lived in a different world with different values and different interests and different goals and different uh, expectations and, uh, and so forth. Went to a, um, a soccer game, so striking to me early on. Went to a soccer game, 50,000 people in an arena, uh, nothing for sale and no advertisements to see. It's not our experience here, is it? You stop at a gas station and there's a TV screen telling you what to buy and what not to buy, and, or not what to buy in, in, in the States. Nothing to buy, no concessions, nothing. You walked in, you sit, sat down, you watched the game, you walked out, there was no advertisements, nothing to see. Uh, that is not our experience, is it, here in the States? But you would think there would have been one would have thought, at least I thought, there would have been some immunity that would have developed within me uh, so that when we got reintroduced uh, a couple of years ago back to, uh, back to, the, back to America and American culture and, and all that, that I would have, that's why I, I titled the sermon Embracing the Culture at Arm's Length, that I would have had a little bit of a, of a distance of myself from the culture, uh, but it is stunning uh, and amazing how quickly uh, I have um, returned uh, to the exact place I left in 1998. All of the same interests, desires, material things, political things, all of those things have, uh, have come straight back and, um, and taken me again. Uh, we are the air we breathe. We are what we eat. Uh, C.S. Lewis, I think, super helpfully uh, uh, summarizes this in his uh, great divorce. He says, There have been men before now who got so interested in proving the existence of God that they come to care nothing for God himself. 
as if the good Lord had nothing to do but exist. There have been some who were so occupied in spreading Christianity that they never gave a thought to Christ. Man, have you not seen it in smaller matters? Didn't you know the lover of books, with all of his first editions and signed copies, had lost the power to read them? Or the organizer of charities that lost all love for the poor? It's the subtlest of all snares. We, we, we naturally um, uh, base ourselves, if I can use that word, to, 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 to what, are, what is around us. Uh, the culture, although we may feel uh, apart from its pull, it is, it is uh, uh, um, and this is what Paul is telling the Corinthians here, I'm treating you like kids here, guys. You're like children. You're like, you, you, I'm teaching you these things that are so elementary that you are now in Christ. You're set apart. You're different, right? You don't have the same interests and, uh, and desires, but you still want these things that lead to those ends? Do you, do you, you're, you're going down the wrong road here. But that pull, that cultural pull in all of us, this verse 12, which I think is the perfect summary of this whole passage, you're not restricted by us, but you're restricted by your own, your own affections. So our own affections, as he was telling the Corinthians, restrict them. They restrict them from uh, allowing, them to, to allowing them to enjoy Christ, allowing them to dream bigger, allowing them to think larger um, than, than themselves. We can, without this, the checks and balances, without reminding ourselves often, without living in this community, without being and, and, and fellowshipping with other believers, without, without reminding ourselves of God's promises, naturally tend toward um, the things that are, the, the, our, our desires will be the desires of those around us. So, therefore, we're called to live apart, to live separately. So, uniforms are an interesting thing, physical uniforms that people put on. Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, pilots, soldiers, all of those things represent something. So if you see a pilot, uh, he's representing his profession or her profession, and they are, you know, presumably that day have or are about to go uh, fly an airplane. If you see a pilot at a bar uh, without his uniform on, you don't think twice. With his uniform on, you think, wait a minute. I'm, at, I'm flying later today. I don't know if this guy or this lady. And you, so you, you ask. There's a representation that comes with that. In the, in the in the armed forces, they talk about someone who's done something wrong as conduct unbecoming a member of the armed forces. So when you have when you have a uniform on, you experience and you um, identify as something else. Right? You identify as something other than, other than what you are. You put the uniform on and you become a whatever, whatever the, that uniform uh, represents uh, for you. In that same way, we have this reminder in us, a reminder that we are, in, in fact, in Christ, that we, ha- that we are set apart, that this changes, doesn't it, the way we look at things around us. This changes our realities and this changes our dreams uh, for uh, for the future, it changes our realities in that we, of course, and should live, act, vote, demonstrate, agree, and disagree uh, as citizens of our country. But yet, we realize that we have another allegiance outside of that, don't we? We we laugh and we cry and we live with and we we uh, are are with our families. We also recognize, as believers, that we have brothers and sisters 
who also have joys and sufferings outside of that. We enjoy comfort and rest, good restaurants, vacations, a good movie, a good meal, yet all the while realizing that our real hunger will ultimately be satisfied um, and when we don't have the needs of our earthly bodies. And our aspirations and our dreams are different too, aren't they? Um, when a doctor, you're trying to find a doctor who help you with your back pain because it's, 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 it's uh, recurring and it's, and it's bothering. But also, so we dream of finding the right treatment for our back, but we also dream of finding a day when there's no more pain and suffering. Um, we dream, we, we act in this reality and we, we think of a, of a day when there won't be any subtle or explicit racism, uh, when the daily grind of injustice for many people doesn't exist, but we also dream of a day when every nation, tribe, tongue, people, and language gather around the throne to worship God. We dream of a day maybe when we can get out of debt, out of this bondage that we feel, but also a day when there'll be no lenders or debtors um, or money, and the currency is our praise. Saying, and, and you'll notice from these lists of sufferings, these lists of things and others, that the ones who are looking forward to that day most are the ones who are suffering in it now the most, the ones who feel that pain, the ones who feel that burden of, of debt, the ones who feel that that, that they're on the wrong end of, of justice, the one who feel that daily, daily grind, speaking of my, uh, in our own situation in Ukraine, the daily grind of corruption, it just wears you out. Those are the people, unfortunately sometimes, that we listen to the most, but they're the ones that are dreaming and thinking of that day the most, right? They're thinking, yeah, that. And we're doing this, this is a grind, but I'm doing this only for a time, and I'm waiting for that day. Those are the ones, I think, that get this passage the most that understand that two-citizenship, that understand that, that there's something else uh, outside of those. And we, I think, have learned uh, much to learn uh, from our siblings' uh, suffering uh, though in, in those situations, in those lives. And we also, I think, don't we realize, uh, when just reading that little thing that I, I just read, how absurd that makes us sound to the, to the world? Like we're living in candy land. I mean, this is like... What? You're talking about some fantasy land that doesn't exist in the midst of the peppermint forest or whatever that was in Candyland? That's, that, that's not reality. We're here. You know, this is us now. Um, but I think that is those people, that, that in us, those people suffering, who live that way, who live firmly grounded in reality, but with a real tangible hope for what will, be, what will come uh, in the future... That are, that are actually attractive uh, to unbelievers, that are actually attractive to people. And I'll, 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 I'll just end with talking about Mike Hollenbach in that way. Again, not everybody knew him, but Mike was one like that. Uh, Mike's graveside service is, is happening right now as we speak. They're gathering around and, laying, and putting his body in the ground. But he was one that lived caring less, not cared less, but caring less about what he wore about what he drove, about, you know, the, 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 the air he breathed was a little different from the air I breathed somehow, uh, as I was saying. Uh, but when you talk to people, and I've read a lot, talked to a number of people this week, Mike, Mike by Christ's power, by the power of the Holy Spirit, changed lives. Uh, he was so attractive to people because he had this thing uh, that, that, he is, uh, that attracts us, that attracts others to us. So on one hand, yes, it may feel like Candyland, talking about no debt and 
you know, all nations and tribes gathering around and, and, um, and another allegiance and Christ being our king. It sounds fantastical. Uh, but that reminding ourselves, grounding ourselves in that reality, I think, is what draws, uh, is what draws people uh, to, uh, to, to Christ. So almost like, you know, St- Sting sings about we're legal aliens, right? We're legal aliens. We're here. We're doing this thing. We're legal here to live. Uh, but in the end, we are aliens. This is not our reality. Uh, this is not our. This is not our lives. Uh, this is not our. Sin, this is not our, our situation. And, and like that, that that song, "Turn your eyes on Jesus, look full in His wonderful face." And what does it say? The things of earth will go strangely dim, right, in the light of His glory and grace. So, the our ability to be able to live in such a way that we really love others, we really engage in the world around us, but yet reserve a part of our lives, a part of our mind, a part of our life, for the hope that is to come, a real, actual, it's going to happen, hope uh, that is to come. It seems to me what Paul is calling us to in this uh, passage in Corinthians. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that our heart could be turned toward that hope outside of ourselves, uh, that we could live in such a way uh, that we love and also hope, um, especially when this world feels, feels hopeless, and especially learn from those people who have no reason to hope, uh, for whom life is suffering. Uh, Lord, let us learn from them your grace extended to them. Extend, please, Lord, your grace to us. We pray this in your name. Amen.